Joelson Fabian is a friend of mine that I have had since high school. He is currently running his own startup, Polkadot.ph, full-time. He's also passionate about databases, automation, and business. Joe is also fluent in Korean and a serial entrepreneur. On this week's episode, we talk about culture, spreadsheets, and why not to leave the Philippines. I do hope you enjoy this week's episode. Hey, Joe. Welcome to my podcast. Hey, Ram. Thanks for having me. Uh, for the benefit of the listeners, Joe, would you mind introducing yourself? Yeah. So, um, hi, everyone. My name is Joelson Fabian. Um, you can call me Joe. Um, I currently run a startup here based in Cebu uh, with a, a few of my friends. So, we're, uh, so we are Polkadot.ph. We're a sort of an online retailer. So, we sell gadgets, um, smartphones, laptops, that kind of thing. And I'd, lo- I'd love to get into more detail about that later. But uh, yeah, that's, that's me. Mm-hmm. I think what's really interesting about the kind of person that you are uh, really integrally involves who you were before, right? And before you jumped into the startup scene here in Cebu, you worked in a large multinational company. Do you mind telling us a little bit about that experience and how that shaped your eventual entrepreneurial journey? Sure, sure. So yeah, my, so fresh out of uh, college, uh, my first job was... Um, I, I worked in the Samsung Research and Development Institute of the Philippines. So this is like, a, like you know, it's an R&D center. And it's be, uh, it was there in Manila, Metro Manila, in Taguig City. And uh, I got a job as a software process engineer. It's just a fancy job position title, right? <laughs> but then, um, basically, what, what that means is it's a lot of process standardization, right? So documentation, um, making sure there is a process for the software development. So actually, I came from my background. Actually, um, I did have a degree in like manage, management engineering. Uh, and that's actually very close to industrial engineering. So it's quite different from like software engineer, real software engineering, which I don't really do. But yeah, you know, I, I jumped into that opportunity. Um, I was going uh, back in college when I was graduating. I was really going through a, you know, like um, like a phase in my life. I would say where I was really into um, the the tech culture, you know, or you know, I guess the trendier term is like you know the startup culture or like you know technology in general. Um, and I think I, I realized that very late, in, um, like some you know sometime around third year, fourth year of university. Uh, that's when I really started getting into, you know, that whole concept of, hey, um, um, you know, with, with just technology, you could actually do so much with just a, a small group of people, right? And it could really affect a lot of, you know, the whole world. If, if um, So that, that really, you know, that idea really resonated with me. And um, yeah, so like w- once I graduated, you know, I was really like, okay, what are the tech companies that are hiring now? And, um, you know, because like all of my friends, they go into banks, you know, that, that sort of thing. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so I was really interested in technology and I just really wanted to be a part of that, even though I was late into the game. I didn't really have the background, but I just really wanted to be there and really experience it and see, you know, how, you know, I, I just found it very interesting. So that's, that's how I ended up in Samsung. 
Mm-hmm. So uh, I just need to ask particularly because you you say that you weren't from a programming background, and so to stay relevant in like a fa- such a fast moving industry, you must have had some kind of very special skill that made you indispensable to uh, you know this very fast moving, fast paced technological business. So what what skills did you have that made you indispensable? Yeah. So. One thing I'm very thankful for from my my course in university, um, we had a summer class in uh, Microsoft Excel, basically. Mm-hmm. And um, so, uh, what's this? So it was basically like a whole summer we would just be using Microsoft Excel and then like learning all the fancy functions there. We even learned how to program in Excel. I think you you you've I also took the same class, yeah. So yeah, you you're well aware. Uh, but yeah, for, but for the listeners, no, um, I got really into it. Um, I, I wouldn't say I was the best in the class or anything. I just really enjoyed it. And now I could, yeah, right now I'm 29 years old. I'm, I can confidently say like um, being comfortable with spreadsheets is really a valuable life, le- <laughs> you know, something, a life lesson. I would say like we should really teach grade schoolers how to, do the same thing i think yeah so um so yeah uh, i think that that really helped me in in my my first job at samsung i really stood out uh, well <laughs> not to toot my own horn but like i was probably the only person in the office who sort of you know was comfortable um doing all these convoluted formulas on the spreadsheets right so um i do think um like you know i became known around the office like hey if you need help with like your your spreadsheets Joe can help you right and um so yeah so okay so with regard uh your gift your natural gift for spreadsheets <laughs> <laughs> my, my my passion i i would say okay. not really my gift yeah like how does that translate to what you do now like how how does how do you use well having trans- so I, it's kind of easy for me to imagine how you would use Excel in a large corporate setting, just keeping track of the numbers, like the amount of hours spent, uh, maybe Gantt charts. Yeah. Uh, but like, okay, that's a large corporate setting where you're really directing the flow of work, right? And so you really do need to number crunch and reduce those large number of variables down to a few key insights, right? And being in the position you were, you were in a position to do that, right? So, how, But how does it apply now? Right, given that you are now in the startup space and you're uh, being an entrepreneur for yourself. Yeah. Um, so I think with Excel, it really taught me the mindset that I have now. Where, well, you know, first of all, like um, in college, aside from Excel, we would have um, you know operations management, operations research, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. and that would teach us, you know, the discipline of really like, you know, simulations and how different variables and constraints uh, with, with those with those constraints, you could actually optimize and find the best answer, right? Or find the best um, solution to a problem. So yeah, that it really taught me that where, you know, it's, it's sort of like the engineer's um, point of view where th- there, there is an answer or like, you know, there's, there is a best answer. It might not be the answer, but so, um, so um, in my in my current work now, um, I'm not I, like like you said. I'm no, I'm no longer in a corporate setting. Um, that that that's really helped me a lot. Where it's not like it's that thinking. It's not just the Excel, right? So 
um, that thinking where the, the numbers play into and like sort of it creates a formula or a grand system where everything is created, right? So um, with Excel, you could make, you know, outputs like um, profit and loss statement, that kind of thing. Pero now what I do in, my, in, in our current business at polka.ph, um, I do a lot of the operations right now, um, or, or I, I did in the beginning. And so um, I actually built out some of the internal tools we needed in our company, right? So, um, not, so Excel was really like the first step in you know, my current skill set uh, now, where, you know, um, you know, and so now I, I believe, you know, for me, I, I'm really now into the no code movement, if you've, if you've heard of that. Uh, we, we, before, before we jump yeah. into like the no code movement, just so I can respond very briefly to your Excel spreadsheet thing. Sure. I personally also use Excel like as a lawyer. Oh yeah. It's kind of useful. Like when I have, uh, what, some of the cases I handle involve corporate embezzlement. So you have a mm. employee who steals money over a very long period of time. And so there's a paper trail that exists, mm. but it, it exists in small amounts over a period of say two years. Right. And so you can have like hundreds of pieces of exhibits. Right. right? And these exhibits have to be translated into like very archaic court documents, mm -hmm. right? And it's usually the same thing occurring over and over again, right? The same inputs, like the date, the name of the document, the person who participated in the document, and those things can change, mm -hmm. right? In a set number of ways. Mm -hmm. And so for when I, when I create something like a formal offer of evidence, right? Or when I, uh, when I create a judicial affidavit, uh, for the for the convenience of having to set out the particulars of the affidavit, right? Uh, what I'll do is I'll uh, use Excel, right? So that I can easily generate these repetitive, although slightly uh, variable yeah, yeah. outputs over and over again, right? Yeah, Instead yeah, yeah. of going completely insane typing out uh, the same mm. uh, string of letters over and over again, right? Like it's like an an automation mindset, right? Where <laughs> what can I set up now so that this becomes instant in the future, so mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. that's very interesting. Like uh, <laughs> even yeah, so uh, even the, like like that. Just mm -hmm. to your point, that Excel mm -hmm. should right. be taught in grade school yeah. because like if even a lawyer can use it, and you an entrepreneur, where it's very easy to imagine, right? Then we right. see that it can apply across disciplines. So let's let's go back though, because sure. you mentioned something about the no code movement. Do you mind breaking that down a little bit for the listeners? Yeah. So um, yeah. So no code or low code, uh, some might call it. You know, it's it's like a new trend of there are more internet companies now, um, you know, they're, they're all online and they, they provide, they provide um, companies or businesses the, the tools they need to kind of uh, make their own, you know, internal systems, right? So a very common example is like, a very, the very basic example is like, you know, Google Sheets. So, uh, or um, let's say if I'm sure a lot of people know about Slack or Microsoft Teams, so these are communications tools, but at the same time, there's a lot of um, software at the back end where you could actually set up things in your Slack or Microsoft Teams to actually trigger actions with the different tools you use. So, you know, a very simple example, like um, whenever a new, let's say you have a Google form and then whenever the form is filled out, someone submits a form, um, it goes into your you know Google Drive and then it actually triggers like, Let's say there's a new message in your Slack where, hey, a customer or like a new lead has filled out our, our lead form. And then now it's like everyone's notified instantaneously. So um, that's just like a very simple example. And then I could go on and on, but like 
now there's really this whole ecosystem of like different companies creating, you know, um, like a very visual way for non-programmers to make, uh, you know, you know, uh, software essentially. And it's, it's very liberating and, you know, it just feels like, um, we're, 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 you know, back in the past where the world didn't have Microsoft office yet. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly Microsoft released this thing or, you know, there were other tools similar, like they just did it best. But, but that's what I'm saying where it's happening again. Whereas now, you know, anyone could make a spreadsheet now, but like very soon, I think like now it's going to be very easy for, you know, non-technical teams to actually create software that they need for their work and they don't have to be programmers. So that's very, that's very um, exciting for me. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but if we can, if we can revisit the previous point, sure. though, because we, we yeah. kind of left in the middle of like your, your, uh, your being so skilled and adept in Samsung, we bridged uh-huh. off into uh, this, yeah. this Excel sure. uh, tangent. <laughs> tangent. Yeah. Uh, what made you decide to make the leap from like the multinational corporate track where it's, mm. it's understandably the possibility for how lucrative that is, is very high. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, what made you decide to go from that to this line that you're in now? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good question. Um, so yeah, I was in Samsung for a good three and a half years. Um, and I was actually working probably basically almost directly under the, the Korean management, right? So a, a little bit about me, um, I, I actually do speak some Korean. Um, I'm certified level three proficient. It's for <laughs> but, the ladies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> of course. Um, so yeah, that, 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 uh, so my Excel along with my language skills actually helped me, you know, really contribute more, I think. Your Excel. Yeah, my Excel, yeah, my, my you, spreadsheets. You, 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 got, you cut yourself off, you said X. So my X really helped me with my language skills. <laughs> Uh, yeah (laughs) just keep going keep going yeah so um there's that um yeah so while i was in samsung i was thrown around in different jobs essentially so at first i was doing software process engineering and then they threw me into project management uh and then they threw me into um r&d strategy and then my last position there was i was actually like a like a comptroller (laughs) for their finance or I was like a financial analyst for the, the R&D center, essentially. And yeah, so, so um, what was the question? <laughs> yeah, well, you, yeah, why did you leave? Yeah, you, know, you, yeah, you, yeah, you were like, yeah, you know, like, they had an upward trajectory. All right. Uh, um, yeah, I, I mean, I really got around in, in that office. <laughs> and, um, but I would say uh, there was just something missing, right? Um, and, you know, uh, I, I really enjoyed my time there, but... I did, I did see, like, I, I did have a good view of what the management was prioritizing, right? And it really occurred to me, okay, um, this is an R&D center. Uh, uh, of course, they prioritize their developers, their, their programmers, their engineers. So uh, I, I was basically technically on the management side of things and the operation side of the R&D center. So um, I did feel that, you know, in terms of opportunities, um, they, uh, you know, I didn't have as much um, relative to the rest, right? And, you know, um, just really thinking down the line, like, um, would, you know, would I, would that be fine with me, basically? And so, you know, I had th- those kinds of thoughts um, in my third year working there. 
And, you know, it just so happened, like, um, I, yeah, I, I started a side project at, at, at the same time, no? So, um, it all started when, you know, I, I had a friend from Japan, and um, she actually wrote me a postcard, no? It, it was sent to the mail. I don't know if any of the listeners here still use mail. Like, you know, this is like legit um, post office mail, right? That fill, fill post. You ever heard of it? <laughs> so, I, I use yeah. it every week. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So, oh, yeah. Lawyer, lawyers use it, I, I guess. <laughs> or like, um, but it's, you know, it's not an LBC letter you document, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, it's very slow, as you know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I take advantage of how slow it is sometimes. It allows me time to think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and um, so, so, yeah, my, my Japanese friend sent me a postcard. And then, like, I was like, whoa, this never happens because I never get mail. Nobody writes me. You know, people just text, right? I mean, who writes anymore? Mm-hmm. So um, that blew my mind, basically. And, um, I, you know, I, what's a guy, you know, I, I had no idea what to do. <laughs> because, like, what do I do? I've never, so do I reply? Or, so what I actually did in the beginning, I took a photo of the postcard. And then I was like, I just tagged her. Hey, thanks for the postcard. But then, like, it just felt wrong. So I, that, that event, you know, kept replaying in my head and I was like, how come it, it's so hard to sort of, you know, resolve that issue, right? So, so I, you know, eventually I did write her a postcard, like a real postcard. It, it took forever to figure it out. You know? So I had to buy the right, you know, I buy a postcard and then I had to find the post office. And then a few months later, I, I think she received it, but... Yeah, so it wasn't a great experience, and that's where my 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 project, or you know, that 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 uh, I started a mobile app with uh, with the help of some friends in Cebu. No? so I started a mobile app where it's it's basically a digital letter writing app mm-hmm. um, for social messaging, right? And it's for special messages where uh, it was called Only Note. And what it, what it would do is like you could send a message to your friend, to your friend's app. Mm-hmm. And then once you send it, it's deleted from your phone. The only copy is in your phone. Mm-hmm. So it's basically a one-of-a-kind letter that you gave to someone. So it's really, you know, that act of giving in a digital world. And did, did you use blockchain to send so, that? So yeah, I keep telling all my friends, I, I was a precursor to NFTs, man. Like, so... <laughs> so <laughs> Man, I was like way too early. <laughs> yeah, yeah, too yeah early. but then like yeah. you, uh, you know, you traffic in emotion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you're you're selling no blockchain yet, you know, like good feelings, no buzzwords yet. It was just like that's cute. You know? <laughs> so like um, it was quite niche like at the time. I, um, I don't know if uh, I, 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 you know, who knows? Blockchain's big now. Maybe like people are into that kind of thing now. You know, people, you know, that trend that the NFTs, right? Uh, I, the people who, who are listening, if you don't know, the NFTs, mm-hmm. um, is that that's even happening in the non fungible right? tokens? Yeah, yeah. So, like, I, I know, like, have you seen that in the news? Like, some artists, their designs become one of a kind digital artworks, right? Well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> supposedly, supposedly, like, nothing prevents someone from like creating Copy another pasting, exactly, yeah. yeah exact copy although like it's indelible in the sense that who whoever owned the original the one that the artist commissioned right will surely remain the owner at least in the eyes of the artist and that's yes. that goes for something because it means that there is 
truly uh, that unbroken chain of ownership, which you didn't used to be able to establish over digital assets. You used to be able to copy paste them to no end, right? Right, right. Just, so just like my thing, you could screenshot it, but it's not the same message. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So okay, but yeah, so yeah you, you you definitely displayed like a bit of aptitude, like to identify this uh, given opportunity mm-hmm. and a certain degree of ruthlessness to turn uh, the receipt of a single postcard into a ruthless money making endeavor. Uh, but uh, why? What? What about this? Uh, entire uh, well you know like it, it it requires a certain kind of mindset right. to jump into businesses and then you know I'm gonna make an app out of that right and right. what what aspects of your identity really drove you towards this whole you know I need to make an app right because that, that 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 itself has its own connotations right. well or you know not not just the, the app or the app aside um, like starting my own thing I think I remember when I was very young my dad really, I had a conversation with my dad and then he's like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And then like, I said, I, w- I wanted to be a chemist or something because <laughs> I, li- I love Dexter's laboratory when I was a kid. But um, he was like, um, I, I, think he, I think he scoffed. <laughs> like, it's like, and your dad is, what does he do? So yeah, so my dad is, uh, yeah, so, so my dad is a businessman. Um, he's, um, so he, he, uh, along with my mom, they created like a uh, an, an, an auto parts business here in Cebu. So you know they they sell some would call parts. some would call what they do massive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so the, the company <laughs> is called Cebu Massive Auto Parts. If, <laughs> if you guys are in Cebu, uh, please drop by <laughs> if you need something for your car. And yeah, so like you know they started that like you know more than twenty years of like history there, and then you know um, it's grown to be the business that it is now today. And, you know, it's uh, uh, thinking back to that conversation, like it really, um, I think that's really formed my decision making and things where, yeah, like, you know, like even like even in high school, like a lot of our friends were like, you know, wait for the listeners, yeah, me yeah. and Joe went to the same high school. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we, me and Rami go way back. And, um, you know, like even just like deciding where to go for college, it's kind of like, let's just do the more you know, unique thing, <laughs> right? I don't know. <laughs> so like, um, yeah, so I, um, that kind of like, I saw a trend in the way I made decisions where like, let's just do the more fun thing to do, <laughs> you know? So, um, if I could give a side, you know, uh, an, an anecdote. If, Go ahead. Yeah. Um, like it was in my third year of college. Um, we, we did have a student exchange program, uh, in our university so um at the time i was really into asian culture right so i was into japan korea that kind of thing uh, japan was like probably one of my top choices but then you know it's quite popular and then you would have to apply to to get these slots right and then so i did apply and then there were no options left except for one school in south korea and it was an all women's university. And then like, I was looking at the rule book. They didn't say anything like, oh guys, kind of, they didn't say that. So like, okay, I'll just go here. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, uh, for the listeners, uh, the way you do this, cause I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of questions is you apply, you first you get into Ateneo, right? And then <laughs> this is how the racket's going to go. Um, <laughs> you know, and then when you make it to third year, you pick which school was it? Yeah. So this, the, the school I went to is called Ihua Women's University. 
and it was uh, a very, it was an exclusive like very expensive university for like all the daughters of the conglomerates and that kind of thing so it was cool <laughs> was there was there any other reason why you decided to go to korea to get the well of course aside from the abundant reasons for going to a women's university right, right? were there any other reasons that drew you to korea particularly yeah um so uh, I think, you know, as early as high school, I had a lot of foreign friends. Uh, we, you and I, we did come from, like, an international high school, quote-unquote. Yes. And um, in college, uh, I took up Japanese language, so uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, I have my fair share of Asian cinema, if you will. And um, I, uh, as a student, I was part of the Student Exchange Council with you, actually, mm-hmm. now that you mention it, so... I was very into cultural exchange, that kind of thing. And, you know, I just sort of had this affinity for like, oh, I'd like to live somewhere else and kind of like experience other cultures because like, you know, the grass is always greener on the other side, I guess. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's, that's how I ended up um, very interested in those things. So anyone who's still listening will probably want to know. So how did it go? How did AWA Women's University treat you? Was it, were they very welcoming? Yeah, they were... They were very polite and quiet. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I was very awkward as a, as a as a college student, right? So I didn't make as many friends as I should have. <laughs> but like, um, yeah, it was like... It was good. Know, it was good. You know, it, it's not as, you know, I, it pains me to say it's not what everyone's imagining. <laughs> so like, I'm sure all my friends are like, Hell yeah, I was like, <laughs> but like, you know, I was just like going to class and then going to the to my room, <laughs> just doing student things, right? So, yeah. Okay, so yeah, uh, just for uh, just for anyone who will ask again, AWA Women's University, it's not in the rules that guys can't go. Yeah, so yeah, so the rule is like foreign guys can go. So everyone, please apply. I think I think you're, you're very welcome. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So uh, wait, anyway, let's let's go yeah, back. So sure. how did how did the uh, how did it go with only note in particular? Yeah, mm. So yeah, um, like uh, like I mentioned, I started that uh, that app. Well, you know, we were we were I was developing that app with some friends during my time at Samsung. So this is during my off time. I wasn't doing it during work hours, obviously, because that's like, you know, that's that's a kind of worms there, pero. Um, so I was doing that, and at the same time, like, uh, it just so happened, um, my, my, my dad, he wasn't of the best health at the time, no? And coupled with, you know, those thoughts I've been having about opportunities and, like, you know, it was really, like, where can I grow the most? And I was thinking, like, or in my experience, I didn't see that many opportunities necessarily for me in Manila. And, yeah, so my, my dad was back in Cebu with the rest of my family, and yeah, it, it was like a sort of like, maybe, you know, at the same time, like I've always had this like, uh, you know, um, I didn't really see much difference. I would say like, I think I could always do something by myself wherever I am really. So at the time I was just like, all right, um, I think I, I, I've had a good run here in Samsung. Um, I decided to, you know, fly back to Cebu, um, stay with my family for a few years, and uh, since then I've been he- I've been here in Cebu. So, mm-hmm. uh, and, and you know, um, if people are wondering, my, my dad's in good health now, so thankfully, um, 
Yeah, he's doing very well, so uh, it's that's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, but actually, that's a that's an experience that I also had, mm-hmm. like similar yeah. to you. Like okay. as a lawyer, like you come from, like I came from pretty decent law school. Like I, uh, I don't like the idea of promoting uh, classism, at least amongst the law schools. But I came from a law school that was very difficult, and it trained me very well. And I would have been entitled to, not entitled, I would have been able to. successfully apply for a number of good jobs in Manila. Yeah. Mm-hmm. However, when I realistically assess my chances for ascending like the ladder in Manila, uh, I could only come to the conclusion that uh, the future, the far future, was definitely not going to be me in Manila long term. Because I would compare myself to the level of connections. And I like I, I know connections is like a really right. dirty word in the Philippines. <laughs> uh, but I'm, I'm just being honest, you know, like uh, if... I had a classmate who was the child of a justice of the Supreme Court, or I had a classmate who was the son or daughter of a senator or a congressperson, right? You understandably see why that person might be promoted ahead of me, especially when lawyers, we traffic, we deal in in influence, essentially, right? And exerting that influence on behalf of our clients. So... You know, like all things being equal, these people would get ahead of me. And so I decided to come back just like you did to Cebu because Cebu was the place where, you know, my family has been for right. quite a while mm-hmm. and we're relatively well respected. Right. So we, I, I definitely saw more opportunities for myself. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's funny that you and I, while we may have taken different paths, we arrived at the same conclusion, come back to Cebu. Right. Yeah. Right. And that, that speaks to the depth of opportunities that are available in Cebu. Now, if you don't mind, uh, If you could tell us just a little bit about Polka, uh, Polka.ph, like more in depth, like what, what gave you the idea, what, what got you off the ground and everything. Sure, yeah. sure. So, um, yeah, so I was back in Cebu now. And um, uh, for the people who did hear what we do at Only Note, uh, you know, it was a very niche <laughs> product, right? Yes. Yeah. Digital letter writing in 2017 or something. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, right. You mean email, but with less features? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, totally. So, um, so yeah, I I was really marketing the hell out of that for like a whole year, right? I I was going to events, like I was really steeped into the whole tech startup community and all the hype around it. I tried pitching it to investors and everything, and you know it just crashed and burned. So right? <laughs> so like um, whoever could have foreseen, yeah, <laughs> you know, I could have been the next Snapchat. <laughs> But anyway, um, you know, you try to experience. Uh, well, it is the next Snapchat because the Snapchat's not doing too great. <laughs> well, it's arguable. I mean, it's a good, Snap's good. Uh, I, I put some money in Snap. <laughs> I don't know. So, yeah, so like as things were falling apart <laughs> back at Only Note. Um, so you mentioned it earlier already, like uh, the company that you're running now, which is called Polka.ph. Uh, if you could just give us a really good brief for about like what it is that you guys do. You mentioned something about phones, something about right. spreading the payment <clears throat> terms out. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Polka.ph, we are a online retailer of gadgets, electronics. So mm-hmm. we sell mainly smartphones, laptops, home appliances like refrigerators, uh, washing machines, you know, you, you name it. And um, uh, this is all online. It's an online store. And essentially, um, at first it started off as a sort of employee purchase program 
So if there are any HR people listening, it's, you know, it's like a sort of like a perk, like a perk you provide your employees where we have a sort of partnership or arrangement with their payroll department where um, essentially their employees could order electronics or gadgets from us. We would deliver it to their office. Like, and then, you know, we, when we do that, like people would really cheer like, oh, the polka arrived. And then like everyone's like, um, you know, it's, it's a great morale booster, I would say. And um, so, yeah, we deliver the, the item and then um, the next month we would send a statement to the HR that, hey, please make salary. So it's done through salary deduction. And, um, you know, it's, it's a really good, um, it was a really great, um, uh, it, it's a really great program for employees where there's actually no cost or liability for the employer. And, at the, you know, at the same time, the HR becomes the, the good guy, the BIDA, right? And, you know, the employees, um, we are living in the Philippines. Um, the country is like, you know, less than 5% of the country has a credit card. So in a place where with so little financial inclusion, right, um, having that sort of access to credit in a form of deferred payments for big ticket items, you know, a lot of uh, employees really appreciate that. So we were glad to... Uh, we, we are glad to be, be there for those, for our customers. And yeah, so we started that back in 2018. And since then, yeah, we, we, we're, we've closed quite a few number of companies. Um, a few companies yeah. collaborate with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. yeah. We've closed a few companies. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that's a sales term. <laughs> yeah, we've... we've, we've partnered up with a bunch of employers to give this fantastic service to their people and um, yeah uh, we're still going strong and we're, we're excited to hopefully close uh, partner with more and more companies very soon so you, you guys can ring me up uh, joe at polka.ph if you're interested <laughs> <laughs> that's the, uh, for, for the listeners who are keeping count that's the third time he's plugged something that's yeah. related to him uh, so uh, actually, what's what's really interesting to me about this polka.ph thing is, you know, the, let's call it spade a spade, the bravery of it. Because a lot of people who humor the idea of jumping into business, what they often do is they tend to fall into this mental trap where they assume anything that is worth doing has already been done. Right. Right. And you, uh, through polka.ph, actually compete with a very large and established company indirectly, which is, well, if I can say it and plug your competitor, home credit. Right. Yeah, sure, to a, to a sure, certain extent. Sure. Right. <laughs> and and so, you know, that for me is really interesting because it is possible that, yes, it has been done before, mm -hmm. you know, but there are ways to do it different. There are ways to do it better. And even if, say, for example, you can't do it on the same scale as they do, there is still a space for compet for competition to exist. Right. Like applying it to my own circumstances. Right. Like. There's so many lawyers in Cebu City, in Capital, right? They're just lined up. Like, how could anyone need a new right. law office? Like, how, like, how, I had to, like, disabuse myself of that notion that there is space for a young lawyer to exist on his own, right? right. And uh, for anyone who's listening, I think the key takeaway is that you should really get it out of your head. Like, it's been done before. It's been done different. It's been done better. You can find your way of doing it. And you can make your business idea work. It doesn't mean that just because, you know, someone has done it already, that they're the be all and end all of the ways to do it. That's not how competition works. That's not how the free market works. Uh, you mentioned a few things, though, Joe, about 
uh, how you use technology, right? Back in your previous uh, corporate job, right? How do you use technology now in uh, Polka? Yeah, um, so I guess the secret's out. Um, at our company, we, a lot of our infrastructure, it's really built on no-code where or low-code where... So we use some, um, probably the biggest name in no-code right now. Um, I highly recommend people to Google um, Airtable if you've heard of Airtable. Airtable is sort of like uh, an online database, but it's very similar to um, Google Sheets, right? So it looks like a spreadsheet, but it has the functionality of a database where you could put different categories of records and it just connects to everything, right? And it could be really your source of truth for your entire company where all of the financials are there, all of the order fulfillment is there, and your team can collaborate in that one location. And, you know, everything just lives there, all the data you need, the files, the, um, the customer information, that kind of thing. It's all there, and you just connect it to whatever, you know, array of tools that your team uses. So... Um, you know, just to give you an idea of our, our website, we do collect orders there and then it, it's sent over to the Airtable and then, um, you know, orders get logged and all the information's there, it's complete. And then it connects to our, you know, our email sender. So it's automated emails sent from there. Um, our accounting system is linked to the orders. So we can actually have real-time financial statements all, you know, without doing anything, it's just there, it just lives there. And um, we do everything there, everything's automated um, and it's uh, very, very approachable now. So it's, it's a very different experience from like traditional businesses where like, you know, you have to shop around for a software provider and like you have to customize it, like for, it takes forever, it takes years to customize for your needs. Whereas with the no code, it's like, we built this ourselves and we, we weren't all programmers and um, it actually works exactly how you want it to. So um, that's how it's being used now, uh, my, my skill set from before. Mm, so, yeah, just, just that like mm. that intellectual rigor and probably since it's so similar to like Excel spreadsheets, I assume that probably it's, makes it's it on a different level. Definitely, it's not it's not a spreadsheet. Similar. I I, I don't want to yes. I don't want to simplify, but I have to give the listeners yeah. something to relate to. Mm. Yeah, uh, but you know that's really something that you really have to do at some point. You know, yeah. like you just have to apply that same willingness to try new technology. What, what I do in one of my other hats because I'm a I'm a businessman aside from this, uh, aside from being a lawyer rather. Uh, you just have to be willing to experiment with new products. Like, so like say for example, to your point about customized software, my family has been right. operating mm -hmm. with a customized accounting software that we've been using for the better part of like two decades. Mm -hmm. Right. And I had to make the call cause like the, the software was glitchy. It was difficult to use. And then I decided, you know what, let's onboard the company onto a, a completely different system, right? QuickBooks. Mm -hmm. Right. And there was a lot of resistance to it. Right. Like the old yes. one works. Right. So why do we change? And then I'm telling myself, yeah, but then this is so much easier because it's stored on the cloud, you know, yeah. and we don't have to constantly update our computers or have to call up the the uh, okay. the soft the software company that made the custom software mm -hmm. and to try to update it to the current operating mm -hmm. system Windows, right? We can just use the cloud version and then that will fill all of our needs. It does everything that we need to do now. And you just have to have that willingness, you know, to 
when asked the question, how do we do this? How do we do that? I don't know, but I'm going to figure it out or I'm going to find someone who uh, can figure it out for us. Right. And that, that's, that's a really important part of like this whole teching out your uh, company. Uh, so in so far as uh, Polka is concerned, what, what stage of the business cycle are you in? You think like, uh, like, where are you? Uh, in your in your path towards domination of yeah. this market, um, yeah. So right now we are currently expanding. Um, we're now operating in both Metro Cebu and Metro Manila, and very soon um, up north in you know Pampanga, Greater Manila area. Um, we're closing a few a number of employers who are excited to try us, and. I mentioned we did mainly salary deduction in the beginning. Um, this just this year we, we have been we have launched a new service where now anyone could actually shop from our store. It's not just limited to employees of our partners. Um, all they need are like you know the the minimum requirements, and they they do need to have like to to have an account with one of our partner banks you now because these are installments. So the way we do it is through automated you know, auto debit arrangements, right? So uh, it's very technical, but you know, long story short, you need a bank account, and then like we pull money from your bank account whenever we want, and then that's when installments happen. Well, that's a really secure way to take payment. Huh? Oh, Some yeah. people might even forget that they're you know they they bought it two years ago, and still so they're still getting deducted for it. Uh, we don't do that. No, I mean, I, no, sorry. I should be clear about what I'm saying. It's like, you know, when they bought it, it's like a year has gone by and they don't even right. notice. That's that's how little it impacts them because how, right. easy, yeah, how, exactly. how divided up into installments it is. Yes. Yeah. Uh, something that often comes up in my podcast is because uh, like you and I, this is something that I don't know if you have an experience with, but uh, I have this experience. People often ask me, why don't you work abroad? Right? Like, why don't you try your luck with finding a job in another country? Right. Right. And usually I, I can tell where the question comes from. You speak English, you're very capable, hmm. right? Uh, generally a capable person. You probably could be successful outside and make conceivably more money than you do here. Right. Uh, but you know, like the question is even more poignant because you speak a different language and right. you have all these skills that are so relevant to uh, the tech space as established by your tenure in the Samsung RDI. Right. Yeah. Uh, why didn't it occurred to you to go abroad. Why didn't? Why did you think the opportunities in the Philippines were sufficient for your purposes? Yeah, I guess you know I already lived abroad for a few months, <laughs> and you know I was there as a tourist, essentially like a student tourist, and I don't know. It's just like I didn't really. It didn't really matter to me where I was. It, what really mattered more to me was like, was I doing what I thought was fun? And yeah, so like I said, like a lot of my decision making is like, what's the most fun thing to do? And then uh, I guess I err on the side of like, hey, let's just do this thing everyone else isn't doing because I don't know, like, I don't want to join the rat race, quote unquote, no? where, like you said, exactly what, what you said with the, um, with the connections and then how there might, there really could be different opportunities when you take, you know, the, the less traveled path, right? So um so yeah so it never really occurred to me like yeah i love the work of like that yeah and for me like i am comfortable in the philippines you know not a real um i'm in a very privileged position to say that um but you know this is where i this is what i call home um 
would I live somewhere else given the opportunity? I would, but like this will always be my home, I would say. So, and I don't really have any particular urge to leave right now either. So, well, and this is this is me taking you off on a tangent, and so like if you don't have sure. like a set answer for it, it's fine. Like I always felt like this weird kind of guilt because you and I come from this generation of middle class people who made their way. And uh, we're, we don't, that, that describes our parents. And so yeah. like, they, they raised us with certain intentions in mind, right? Like they made sure that we spoke English very well because they wanted our employ, employability prospects right. to be good. They sent us to the good schools because they wanted us to make the connections. And a lot of people, when they're set off on that path, they make the conclusion that they're supposed to go abroad, right? Which for me never really sat well. Like it always felt right. kind of, I always felt kind of guilty, right? Like, it, like where you're not really in a good position to be able to give back to the country. Like, ako karon, like I have a hard time talking Bisaya. Like if I'm being honest, and I'm really feeling the brunt of that now, right? Mm-hmm. In my law practice, because I really do want to help the country, but because of the way I was raised, my culture didn't really set me up to interface so much with that. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that? As like so, our upbringing vis-a-vis. Some some sort of indebtedness to sort of staying. You you is what you're saying. Or? Yeah, it it it's like generally we shouldn't want to because we have the option to go out, right? right? And a lot of people make that choice. Like people who you know, a lot of our contemporaries will end up taking nursing because they wanted to take the NCLEX and then get out of here, right? right? A lot of people uh, became doctors okay, also right. with the same intention. Right. A lot of people became engineers with the same intention. Right, right, right. Right, but you and I right. didn't stay. Right. Yeah, stayed, stayed. Yeah. Well, I don't know. It's just really. It's home. It's home, but like at the same time, it's just like. Uh, I don't get. You know, uh, that's not what excites me, is what I'm saying. It's just like. I don't know, maybe. I'm not wired that way. I, I think we're not wired that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's the thing, though, like whenever and I do have clients who are OFWs and this is not me talking about a particular case. It's just me talking generally about the OFW clients. The ones who do take that path, they're often very unhappy, you know, like they often really looking for a way to come back because they understand that they're locked behind certain doors. There are are opportunities that will not be for them as they exist in these foreign countries as OFWs. Yeah, I, I think it's really what it comes down to is. I think you and I are like, you know, people like us, we like, you know, we like making our own r- rules, you know, <laughs> like, we want to be our own boss, right? So, um, I think most people want to be their own boss and, um, uh, it just, that doesn't sit well with me to like, okay, I'll go to the richer area somewhere I'll Okay, this is bad. <laughs> Let's cut this out. <laughs> no, 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 no. Wait, there's a way to say it delicately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, and this is me saying it, so you don't have to. <laughs> no, it, it, yeah. you know, it, uh, this yeah, is this is the joke yeah, I always tell sure. people. I always say that if I go abroad, right, right, I am a migrant. You know what I mean? Uh huh. Okay. And that comes with all the negative connotations. Like, you will you will not be given the same opportunities as someone who's a native of the land that you're in, right? Yes, yeah. And that will come also with the treatment of being a migrant. Oh, yeah. oh that's one thing too. Yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> like, good luck being like a, like a CEO of a Japanese company if you're from the Philippines, right? Like, <laughs> no way, no like, way. It's possible. <laughs> uh, yeah. Or like, you know, stuff like that. Well, you know, uh, you could argue against someone like, 
America or the UK, you know, Europe, it doesn't really matter as much, right? Like where mm. you're from. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. I, I I just never really thought deeply about it. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm just really like, mm, I don't know. There's what what are jobs out there? Like I just I'm just like doing my own thing. So. <laughs> yeah, no, but, but yeah. just just yeah. to neatly wrap up my idea. Yeah, sure. So if I go yeah. if I go abroad, yeah. I'm a migrant. Mm-hmm. Here, I am mestizo. <laughs> yeah. <All right>. yeah. <laughs> you, you play the mestizo card, and then... yeah, yeah. No, I mean, and dude, like, I, I really like, I really love the Philippines because, right. like, I am the, I would be the, I would be the bottom rung of the, on the ladder if I went abroad. Like, I'm Muslim, Arabic, Filipino. Like, that is whoa. Like, I. It's like, where do I show up for work? It's like, yeah, you know, basement below that. Yeah, there. That's where you report. <laughs> but here in the Philippines, you know, I was, I, there's, there's ample yeah. opportunities for you, right? Which I, yes. I, I am indebted to that, and I would really like to contribute to that. Uh, before, before we formally cap the podcast, sure. uh, given everything we talked about, we talked about you came from this corporate background, uh, that you, you, you started with only note. You have this incredible love of culture. And uh, you started this all, your very own very successful company, relatively successful company, Polka.ph, mm-hmm. right? Uh, where do you think life will take you after the, the after these steps? Hmm. Um, or where would you like life to take you? Maybe that's an easier question. Um, oh, I didn't think of this. <laughs> Um, yeah, so uh, definitely what's next for me. Um, shit. <laughs> <laughs> no worries, no worries, it's fine. If you're not sure, it's okay also. Like maybe um, maybe master's degree or... Oh, okay, okay. That, like, definitely like I don't see myself going back to the corporate world. And um, in my experience, or I, I, I really don't put as much gravity anymore into academics um mm-hmm. I, I i'm a i'm a student of youtube so yeah that that you know that's something that really changed the game for our generation yeah. like if there's a skill you want like just youtube it man like, yeah like there's a dude who does like python tutorials and he's apparently like the bob ross of python and i'm like wow there's that yeah. there's such a thing <laughs> so um yeah i i having having work having the experiences i've had um, I just definitely see myself still doing business, still trying to make, you know, these products and services that people actually really value. And, you know, I guess, so, sorry, to kind of go back to your, your whole, um, why leave, like, why don't we leave now? And I guess like at the same time, a business ma- being in business, right? You're trying to solve a problem for people and make money from that. Right? And what better place to have that has lots of problems than where we, you know, like um, problems are always bigger when they're near you, right? Mm -hmm. And I see lots of problems here. So um, yeah, I think that's also a big reason why I stayed. And that's a big reason why I think I'll just keep doing what I'm doing now. And, you know, hopefully grow from there, like just get better and better at what I'm already doing. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, and with that, that, that sounds like a pretty uh, positive note to cap the podcast with. Joe, thank you for coming on my podcast. Oh, thanks for having me, Ram. Okay, bye-bye. <laughs>